Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Good morning. You know, if the deacon was preaching, the dentist deacon was preaching today, you know, you'd have gotten no homily about the kingdom parables. You would have gotten a homily about the grinding of teeth. That's what we would have gotten today. That stood out to me at the end. I'm like, I'm glad that he's not preaching. Everyone needs to wear a mouth guard. Okay. This is one of my favorite sections of Matthew's gospel that we have uh, for this Sunday's gospel passage. This section where Matthew is unpacking all of these, uh, he's telling of all of these kingdom parables that Jesus is, is giving to the crowds that are with him. And it's, it, you just get this sense that just keeps bubbling up out of him. And he's searching for words and images to try and articulate what's ineffable. And I mean, I'm sure we've all had the experience of trying to put words or language to an experience that we've had that's just so beyond words or language, you know, trying to explain to someone something that's really difficult to explain. I, I was thinking how a year ago today, in fact, I was uh, with a few friends of mine. We were on a plane flying back from England. I had just done this amazing pilgrimage with some really close friends, a uh, C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien pilgrimage, which was awesome. And um, I mean, it was like a, it, in many ways, it was just way more than my heart was prepared for. I mean, I was excited about the the literary stuff, the history, seeing the places, but what I was totally unprepared for was how breathtakingly, mind-blowingly beautiful Oxford was. And I knew that, like, coming back, people were going to be like, so how was it? And I would, like, I, yeah, it was amazing. I don't know how to even put it into words, right? This is what I feel like Jesus is trying to do in this gospel. He's, he's trying to name the ineffable. He's trying to articulate what the kingdom of God is like, what God's ways are are like an image after image, image after image, parable after parable. You get that sense. Here's another parable. Here's another parable. He's like, the kingdom of God is, it's like a, like a field where there's wheat being sown and then an enemy comes and sabotages it by sowing wheat. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a mustard seed. It's like a, like a ball of dough rising on the countertop. It's, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like. And he's going to go on from there. And in later days this week, we're going to hear more of these kingdom parables. Okay, so there's so many facets, there's so many aspects and angles that we could take to talk about this. But here, here's the first thing I just want to point out. Whenever Jesus is giving any of these parables, it's just so important for us to realize that these are not, they're not meant to be like, like clear didactic explanations of the reality he's conveying. It's not as though like, okay, now this explains it all. No, no, these parables are meant to be like savored and pondered and chewed on and, and turned over again and again in our minds that there's always more facets to these diamonds that we're supposed to look at and gaze upon. It's, it's meant to be like a riddle that we're just perpetually like looking at a new aspect with it. Another thing to notice with these, with these parables about the kingdom, and this is significant, this could be a separate homily, but notice how earthy these images are that Jesus gives for what the kingdom of God is like. So much, so many of us, modern Christians, we, we don't realize how much of our, uh, I don't know, conception of reality is, is informed by um, what I would call a platonic worldview that sees 
the spirit realm as distinct from above the earthly material realm, right? Heaven, spirit is above like the earth and material world. There, there are these separate realms. This is how many of us view what happens after death, that we die, our body goes down here, our soul finally gets to float up there. And like, look at what he's saying the kingdom of God is like. It, it's so earthy. It's, it's a field. It's a seed and a bush. It's a ball of dough. It's, it's not this ethereal, mystical thing. It's something very close to home. And that's, I mean, is that not the principle of the incarnation, right? The word becomes flesh and dwells among us. Where the king is, there's the kingdom, right? The word becomes flesh and dwells among us. Here's another aspect that I want us to notice about these particular images that Jesus gives, is that they are dynamic and growing. They are not, this kingdom, the God's ways, it's not this static reality. It is something that is stretching, straining, growing, developing. It's moving in a particular direction, right? The field growing with wheat, the bush that's growing from the tiny seed, the ball of dough that's leavening, that's growing, all of this, moving from small to big, expanding. I mean, you can, you can catch a glimpse of this when you think about the second reading we just had for this weekend from Paul's letter to the Romans. We don't usually think about Paul's epistles in their original context, but when Paul wrote that letter 2,000 years ago, he wrote it to a tiny little community, like a mustard seed-sized community, this gathering of Christians, these men and women who, who became convinced that Israel's Messiah had come at last and he was for the world. It was a gathering of people probably no bigger than the folks, in, probably smaller than everyone gathered in church today. And he wrote this letter to them. And look at how this tiny little mustard seed of Paul's letter to the Romans has grown and expanded to the point where his words, especially in that letter, have changed the course of human history, Western civilization. Like those words expanding in such a profound way. Paul could never have imagined that Rome would have ever converted or that today when we speak of Rome speaking, Rome is synonymous with the church. It's synonymous with Catholicism, with Christianity. Much like in the same way, you know, word came from D.C., right? Word came from Rome. This would have blown Paul's mind 2,000 years ago. Okay, I want to dig a little bit more into these particular images of how Jesus says, like, what the kingdom is like, how it grows. And, and I want to lay it out this way. These are the, these are the words that, uh, that the Holy Spirit kind of spoke as I sat with this gospel, that this kingdom, it is, firstly, it is messy, it's unexpected, it is slow, and silent, and hidden. It's messy, unexpected, slow, and silent, and hidden. I mean, contrast this reality of the kingdom that Jesus talks about, contrast that with how the kingdoms of the world grow, how they expand. Think about how the Roman Empire grew, and it grew for one reason and one reason alone. It had the Roman Legion. Right? That Rome had the most highly trained, sophisticated, well-armed, well-supplied military in the world. And they grew by the sword through bloodshed and military strategy. Right? And this has more or less been the pattern throughout human history. Sure, you have a lot of diplomacy now, not a lot of you know, men in battle armor. Um, it's changed. There's you know, treaties and trade agreements and things like that. And it definitely seems less bloody in some ways, but like this is, that's obviously not how 
the kingdom of God, how Christianity grew or how it grows. When you look at especially the images that Jesus gives, the kingdom grows when one person, when one soul, when one heart encounters the living Jesus. Right? In the beginning, you had the Word made flesh, Christ himself, gathering these 12 apostles around him, and he sets their hearts on fire in a life-changing, irrevocable way. And then they go forth, and then like the Easter vigil where the Paschal candle, right, Christ comes into the darkness of the church, and the flame gets spread from person to person, candle to candle, and it gets spread slowly. That's how the kingdom grows. When one heart caught on fire goes and catches someone else on fire. Like we just happen to be the ones today who are carrying the flame because for 2,000 years other men and women have caught the flame and have passed it down. We're the beneficiaries of 2,000 years of people receiving the kingdom, receiving their encounter with Christ and then passing it on. It grows not by planting a flag. It grows when hearts yield and surrender and capitulate to Jesus one at a time. That's how it grows. When you consider these images, I mean, it's, it's extraordinary what Jesus is trying to communicate to us. It's really revolutionary. That this kingdom that he's talking about, God's ways, God's ways of doing things, it's just so unexpected what it looks like. It's so unexpected. What Jesus is describing is not what any one of us would have thought that a kingdom should look like, right? It's messy. It's, it's a bloody mess. It's, he says it's like a guy who has a field of wheat and an enemy comes and sabotages him by sowing weeds in the middle of the night. This is the analogy that he's giving us for what the kingdom of God is like. A field filled with weeds and wheat. You're stunned into silence. I can tell. You're with me. Okay. Like, this is just, okay, if I was the one describing, okay, I think the kingdom of God, it would look like a pristine field of wheat, beautiful grains and stalks flowing in the wind, right? He's saying, no, 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 it's a mess. It's a mess. It's a mishmash. It's, it's a mixed bag. He's saying it's a place where, where saints and sinners exist side by side. It's a place where there's ugliness and beauty, virtue and vice, where all of this where all of this exists together, where all of this exists together, this is what he's saying the kingdom of God is like. But like, when I think about how I would describe this kingdom, it just doesn't look like that. But God is so patient. He is so much more patient than we can even imagine. And thanks be to God, he's patient because he's, he's so patient with how the kingdom is growing in me. I'll just speak for myself. Because when I'm honest, I think when we're honest with our own hearts, with our own lives, that there is, there is weeds and wheat in our own hearts, in our own stories. There's weed and wheat in your, in your marriage. There's weed and wheat in your family. There's, this parish is filled with weeds and wheat. Our parish staff is filled with weeds and wheat. The diocese, those who are in leadership, it's weeds and wheat. The church, weeds and wheat, all of it is a mixed bag of weeds and wheat. And I think many of us get surprised sometimes or frustrated that it's not more pristine. But look, like Jesus is telling us it's going to be a mess. It's going to be a mess. And look, if you've been in the church long enough, like all of us probably have, like you're, you're eventually going to be hurt and let down by the church. 
You're going to be disappointed and you're going to experience scandal as you see and experience the weed and wheat humanity of the leaders, of your priests, of those who call the shots. You're going to experience frustration and hurt as you see us make decisions that don't make sense. And like, I'm with you on this. I see it. I get frustrated too with a lot of this stuff where it seems like we're just drowning in incompetency or drowning in bureaucracy. It's like, I get it. This is the church, though. This is the church, and none of us should be surprised. Like, this is what Jesus told us. Like, the same Jesus who said, like, Judas, I want you, is the same one who said, Peter, I want you. The same Jesus. We're living, in many ways, the mystery of Judas. We're living, in many ways, the mystery of the weed and wheat field. It's a mishmash, and it's not our job to pull the weeds as much as we want to pull the weeds. That's not our job. That's the Lord's job at the end of time. That's the angel's job. It's also talking about this kingdom, this kingdom that Jesus says, it's so unimpressive, honestly. That's what he says. It's, again, not what we might expect. It's not what we would, we would think. That the, the analogy he gives, the parable he gives, is a mustard bush. This kingdom, he says, it grows like a mustard bush. Have you ever looked up what a mustard bush looks like? It's not that impressive. Like, Jesus does not, it's important to see what he doesn't say. He doesn't say the kingdom of God is like a cedar of Lebanon, right? Or like a mighty oak tree. Now, that's an impressive tree, 500 feet tall, 50 feet in diameter. He's like, it's like this, like, annoying, tenacious shrub. Like, sweet. I'm on team shrub. (laughs) But, But the reality is, he's saying it's, Kingdom realities are, are not necessarily impressive, big, showy realities. Like king, kingdom conversation, kingdom encounters, kingdom moments, moments where the kingdom is breaking in, where grace is breaking in, where love is breaking in. These moments that happen in our lives, they're often so subtle and so easily overlooked that they're not flashy or impressive. But that's the pattern of our king. He came into this world not looking flashy or impressive. He was easily overlooked. From from the crib to the cross, he was overlookable. There's so many moments that we have that to the eyes of other people, they seem like nothing moments. But you and I, we know that we have these moments where it's like, okay, it's going to take a lot for me to have this conversation with this person. Or it's going to take a lot for me to have the courage to send this text or to to confront this person or to, to forgive this person. These seemingly innocuous shrubby moments. He's like, no, that's where the kingdom is, in moments that seem like nothing. And this growth of the kingdom, it happens, he says, in silence. It happens slowly. Right? What, what sound does a seed make when it's growing? The same sound that a batch of dough makes when it's rising in a bowl. It's the same sound that flowers make when they're blooming and blossoming. It's the same sound that a baby makes when it's growing in the womb. Everything in God's creation that grows, in his way, it grows in silence. This kingdom, it grows in silence. It grows in the silent work of our own hearts, our own interiority. It grows in, in the silent glances between spouses, the silent sacrifices you make, the hidden sacrifices that you make parents for your kids, all of that. That's where the kingdom grows. And it grows out of view. It's hidden. That's the other part of this. Not on the main stage where we might expect. It's always off to the side, like, like a little ball of dough 
in a bowl underneath a tea towel on the counter, just slowly, almost imperceptibly rising. Right? The kingdom happens in a hidden way. Like you, hear, you heard people say in Jesus' time, what good can come from Nazareth, right? Like I look at you, know, what good can come from Wadsworth, Ohio? Little old Wadsworth, right? Hidden off to the side. But this is where the kingdom grows. The kingdom grows in your hidden life, your hidden sacrifices, in your prayer life that no one else sees, in the commitments you have to keep your vows, to like pray in the time of prayer that you said you are going to set up for yourself. Like That's where it grows, in the hiddenness of your life. So friends, on this 16th Sunday where we're invited to contemplate the kingdom, we, we're going to pray in a moment, the Our Father, where we say, Lord, may your will be done, may your name be hallowed, may your kingdom come on earth, right? On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Amen.